Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm John O'White, founder and principal consultant of Clarity. My passion is to invest in people like you to become the very best leaders that you can be. And so I believe today's episode is really going to be an investment in your leadership. I'm excited for today's guest. Enjoy. It's episode one. Welcome to Leadership Conversations. And I'm very excited to introduce our listeners and those who are watching uh, to Dr. Vipul Saxena. Um, and uh, Vipul, could you just start by letting us know um, where you're based and what your current role is with your organization? All right. Namaskar and good morning to everybody. Uh, I am uh, Dr. Vipul Saxena. Uh, I'm uh, based in Mumbai, India, and uh, working for an uh, organization which is into manufacturing. And uh, my role is basically, I'm, I'm basically a people's leader, HR leader, and uh, handling uh, blue-collar and white-collar employees across my group in India and abroad. And basically, yeah. I take care of people, and uh, people take care of my organization and my customers. Yeah, excellent. I love that. And just for context, um, particularly for those like myself outside of India um, who aren't as familiar with your organization, what's the, um, how many locations uh, around the world, how many employees in, in your organization, Vipul? Yeah, so uh, we have got about uh, five units and uh, we total about uh, 20,000 people uh, of all, all cadre. And uh, we are basically uh, located in India as well as uh, US and other countries. And uh, we are mainly exporter of uh, yarn. Fantastic. Well, uh, and, um, I can't wait. Sorry, you keep going. Yeah, yeah continue. I'm so, so excited to be chatting Mumbai. with you. Yeah. You operate from Mumbai. Sorry, what were you what were you saying? I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm just yeah, uh, the yeah, delay. Yeah, yeah, I operate from Mumbai. <laughs> yeah, I operate from Mumbai, and uh, as and when there's a requirement, I visit the plants and uh, all the locations uh, and play by role. Uh, we have a very good team at all the units uh, who work uh, under my guidance uh, for this particular role, uh, which has been you know for the last 21 years uh, in various companies. Excellent. Well, uh, to start us off, because the whole idea of the Leadership Conversations podcast is to get to know the leader, uh, someone like yourself in such a significant role. Um, also, just a thank you for doing the seven questions on leadership. And uh, I really appreciated your answers and, uh, and your thoughts on that. So that's also there for any listeners to access if they just look up seven questions uh, with Vipul, V-I-P-U-L, that will, that will bring it up, consult clarity. In, in Google and they can have a read over that as well. Um, but what we didn't get to delve into as much in that, and that's why I invited you on the podcast, is to know a little bit more of your story and to dig a bit deeper into, into some of the things you're so passionate about as a leader. So to start us off, it would be great to get to know a bit of your story, the story of uh, Vipul becoming the leader that you are today. And you can go as far back as you want. <laughs> Uh, because it's really significant right. and, and it's lovely to hear the story. So, yeah, tell us a little bit of your story, Vipul. Okay, John. So, uh, it goes back uh, in years uh, 70s 
1970s. I was born in 1964. And, uh, you know, at the age of 17, 17, uh, when I was in uh, NCC, which is basically uh, an uh, organization which prepares students uh, and motivate them to join uh, armed forces. And I was into the uh, aviation wing of uh, that corps. And uh, I was lucky enough to, you know, come in contact with uh, our leader, squadron leader, uh, Harjit Singh Sani. Though I was uh, quite a timid, I was quite a timid guy at that time. And uh, English was a foreign language for me. I mean, we used to study in Hindi, we used to talk in Hindi, our mother tongue is Hindi. So uh, somehow he uh, found some spark in me uh, that I can make it to a uh, defense leader and I can make it to a pilot. So he once counseled me, spoke to me and uh, he said that you have some potential but you have to sharpen up those uh, under some leader. So I said, sir, I'll be more than happy if uh, you could guide me. And from there, the story starts. And believe you me, uh, under his guidance, uh, it was so, I mean, uh, comprehensive. It was so personalized that I could made, uh, made my career as a defense pilot. I was a combat pilot in defense for 15 years. Uh, around that time only, uh, I also uh, happened to meet my another uh, teacher through my mother. I was into spirituality uh, uh, from beginning. My mother was a very, very spiritual person. So she put me into spirituality from very beginning. And uh, around the same time, when I was 17, she introduced him to me uh, to another spiritual guru. Uh, who took me through the spirituality line. And uh, now when I have studied uh, the human psychology and I'm an HR leader, I realized that these two uh, teachers had uh, put a foundation of uh, two types of uh, empathy, which are very, very important for a leader. One was cognitive empathy, which gives you uh, capability to identify uh, potential uh, in an individual to make some uh, a good uh, leadership career. And another, uh, what I got from my spiritual leader was uh, basically God-fearing uh, approach where whenever you act or whenever you uh, react to a situation or whenever you deal with a person, uh, you put yourself in his shoe and think that if somebody uh, responds to me like this, how would I feel? So these two things, this is called emotional empathy. So these two aspects, uh, I think, uh, were laid in my personality uh, much before I think uh, probably anybody was uh, so lucky about. From there, the uh, journey started and uh, that helped me so much that uh, as a defense leader, uh, I was very successful uh, commander and uh, I yeah. could lead my team. To a great extent, we, we, we fought a lot of actions. And uh, after uh, working for 15 years, I uh, came out uh, to my civil career when I transited from defense career to corporate career, which are purely human resource career. And uh, there also I found that a good leader, uh, if he, has, he is empathetic, uh, I think he can build very good teams. He can build synergy in the, in the, in the team very fast and he can lead the team very, very effectively without being a ringmaster. The times of ringmaster was gone, not time of leading people by example. What you yeah. want your people to be, you have to exhibit in your actions. 
you want your people to be honest you have to be honest you want your people to be you know uh, taking risk you have to take risk you want your people to be uh, a good communicator or 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 very very dedicated you have to be dedicated now times are like this times yeah. uh, before 70 was like a ringmaster leader says and you have to do it those times have gone yeah. so this is the transition which i have seen uh, in, my, in my life so uh, ultimately what what it leads to it leads to the uh, engagement of employee and yeah. that comes through when you treat employees well there is to a mental state where uh, their personal uh, needs are taken care of and they fully dedicated to the organization goal and that's the that's the actual engagement which varies from people to people uh, location to location and situation to situation and i think i have observed and i have uh, understood this concept uh, quite in detail and used it for benefit of employees as well as for the organization yeah yeah wow well thank you so much for sharing um your story and the the story of uh, Vipul, the uh the um the fighter pilot which um yeah, which is just uh, amazing. Actually, when you mentioned that, I, I wanted to know what what leadership lessons did you learn from your time as a pilot? See, uh, the task there was uh, a different kind of task. When it comes to the flying uh, role, it was my individual role. What Whatever I do with the aircraft, aircraft will respond to the situation. But before i actually go for my mission there are a lot of preparation go on where there are people who maintain my aircraft where there are people who ensure my safety there are people who who ensure the right communication there are people who ensure that the the armament which i am carrying is really live and available yeah. so if i did not have a good team working you know uh, with me uh, i'm sure i would not have been, have been successful even the mission which I have carried out would not have been successful. So even then, uh, I dealt with different kind of people, men, people from maintenance side, people from armament side, people from communication side, people from safety side, and they all have different personalities. They all have different roles. And to put all of them together as a synergic team was my role. How to, how to ensure that they all work together as one team for a, for a common goal. So uh, there also I, I found that uh, the empathy, a personal connect uh, with the people plays very, very important role. You have to know your people, what uh, professional hurdles, what professional challenges they're facing, what's happening to their personal lives, you even have to know. And uh, many a times uh, during my defense career, I found uh, the uh, performance of people affected because of their personal challenges which they are facing. And uh, once we address them, automatically they, they come back to their performance level. Yeah, I think that um, the personal challenges people are facing can have a massive difference on how they lead. What is your, um, you know, there, there might be leaders out there listening who have someone on their team who's going through a really tough time. I know recently I was chatting with a leader who had a person on their team who had a very hard background, upbringing, and was going through a very hard family situation. And they were trying right. to work out how to balance being um, compassionate with also holding them accountable. What advice have you, would you give a leader like that who's trying to 
work out how to lead well when they have someone going through a personal challenge? See, uh, globally, if you look at uh, the HR practices and people practices really took momentum uh, from the year 1980s and uh, 1990s, I would say. Uh, before that, though things were happening, you know, naturally, but conceptually, the work-life balance, okay, those things came much later as a theory. But even then, if somebody is happy at home, his performance definitely is better here. Okay, if somebody's health is good, he performs better. So these concepts, people were observing, but these were never taught as, a, as a academics, right? So uh, after 80s or 90s, I would say 90s, I would say to, to be more accurate, uh, from, from the year 90s, these concepts came in uh, people dealing, where uh, work-life balance and uh, impact of personal life uh, or professional life individual going through uh, in terms of challenges uh, has impact on performance that was realized very very clearly uh, i would quote one uh, example uh, yeah. when i was uh, working with uh, one of the corporate after leaving defense forces uh, there was one per person whose uh, proposal came to me from his unit head uh, for suspension for some time and then if needed uh, termination from the services uh, I happened to, you know, uh, go through his file and I found that uh, for last two consecutive years, he was a star performer. So I asked his uh, supervisor, I said, how, how come a person whom you recommended as a star performer for last two consecutive years and now you are saying he should be suspended? I said, uh, there is something wrong, something uh, amiss somewhere. But what happens is on the shop floor in the manufacturing space, so much of pressure is there. Uh, Sometimes supervisors don't have time to really go through this kind of details. Yes. So yeah. uh, he said, I don't know, uh, as a uh, professional, I have worked very hard with him to see that he performs uh, what he was performing, but somehow he's not, he's not responding. And uh, I cannot go on wasting, you know, my, my raw material uh, and loss to the company. So then I thought, uh, let me have a uh, session with him and let me understand what's going on. And uh, I had about two or three sessions with him, made him comfortable to speak about because I was a group HR head and he was just an operator. Yeah. So after two sessions, when I gave him confidence that, you know, he can share with me his personal details and it will be confidential and I'm rather here to help him out than, you know, making mockery out of uh, his, his personal challenge that is uh, going on. So he shared with me that uh, last year he was married and thereafter somehow because of some conflict between his parents and his uh, wife's parents. Uh, there are a lot of conflict among the fam uh, between the families. And that's uh, yeah. disturbed the peace in the marital life. And uh, both the parents are not ready to compromise. And that is disturbing the boy as well as his girl. And uh, six months ago, uh, the parent, this, this young couple is blessed with a daughter. And the boy are unable to go to village to uh, see his daughter because parents are not matching. So uh, fortunately, this boy's father was uh, also a retired uh, defense uh, personnel. So I spoke to his father. I said, uh, your son is in a very bad state and uh, I would like you to meet, meet me. So I called his father and I told this boy, you go home. I'll take care of your father. Because I had confidence, I am also defense personnel. I'll be able to convince him. So yeah. I sent this boy home. I said, go and meet your wife, meet your daughter. 
and uh, prepare to come back with your family. So now his father came and you know he, he kept waiting for me. I said, let him go through some pressure. So when he became uh, restless, then I called him. I said, uh, tell me what's happening. So then he says, no, no, his parents are bad. These are bad. You know all the stories he start telling me. I said, that is between you and uh, his parents. Why it is affecting your son's uh, performance? Then I shown him what your son was doing and what he is doing now. I said, he's on the verge of losing job. Would you like to do that? So I said, no, no, sir. I don't want my son to lose job. He's doing very well. And I'm proud of it. Mm. So I said, if you're mm. proud of it, from today, you close this chapter. No conflicts. And that will give happiness in even in your family. Because I'm sure, because of this, even these two families are also disturbed. Believe you me, that works so well. Then he says, very much, son. I said, I'll send your son. His son is already with your wife, with his wife. He said, what? I came to meet him. <laughs> I said, now you go to his uh, in-law's place. Go and meet your son, meet your daughter-in-law and uh, yep. your grand, uh, granddaughter. So when, when that guy came back, within 15 days, believe you me, John, his performance was back there. So I've seen this kind of examples live, live in my life. Yes. That's so, incredible. So leadership. I, I, wow. So leadership can play such, such a miraculous role. Which I've seen. Mm. I'm amazed. I, I think that's an amazing story that you would um, care so deeply to get so involved. And I think the the uh, the fact that that person turned around their performance is, yeah, it's uh, it's a great example of how that that personal challenge was the only limiting factor. It's the same person, same right. abilities, same skills. That's really really Absolutely. interesting and 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 thought provoking. Um. So for you, uh, Vipul, I, I'm interested to know, as you look back on your leadership so far, and we will get into talking about HR and how you ended up there soon, but um, what were, I would just wonder if there are any really important moments that come to mind in your formation as a leader, in, if you look back at your time uh, growing as a leader, maybe from your time in, in defense, maybe from your time in corporate. Were there any moments that come to mind that were really important in shaping you as the leader that you are today? Right. So uh, I'll again go back to uh, year 1993, I think. Uh, yep. That time I was uh, leading air operations in uh, Somalia under a UN mission. And uh, geographically, if you know Somalia, the coastline is such that they have very strong winds. And uh, time had come where we had to, uh, you know, go for a mission where these militants were creating a lot of havoc. And uh, we had lost a couple of soldiers. And uh, winds were definitely, definitely against. And uh, though I had already finished my flying in the morning and I was slotted for uh, another sortie in the evening. Uh, and But this sortie was very, very important. And uh, somehow, somehow... Most of the pilots, they felt that you know it was not safe. Even the safety advisor who, who was to ensure the flying is going to be safe, he said that you know winds are very very strong and uh, could be a big challenge. So at yeah. that point of time, uh, our military commander who was commanding the com complete uh, you know the battalion uh, or division, I would say, uh, different units. Uh, he somehow had faith in me and he says that, Vipal, uh, why don't you try? And uh, I think it was a big challenge to me. I said, 
I, I will, I will let me, let me try. And it so happened that uh, I, I took that challenge and it worked out well and mission completed very, very successfully. So again, uh, you know, as a leader, you have to know who is where. And with, without, uh, I would say, pinpointing somebody's shortcomings, you should be able to use the strength of your employees or your teammates. That is very, very important aspect uh, in a leader. That instead of telling you are bad in this, you are bad in that, you, you know, instead of that, what leaders must do and what I have learned from that lesson is that I always look for what is the strength of my, uh, my teammate. Accordingly, I, you know, uh, deploy them for whatever task it is. But yes, I go one step further. So when I see this person has this part of uh, weakness, instead of calling it weakness, I call it an area of improvement. So I counsel him. I, I see that he is given training on those parts. I support him and try to see that those parts also come up. So ultimately, he also becomes a complete personality. So I think this yeah. is a very, very important uh, thing uh, as a leader that you, you, uh, your first attempt should be identify whose strengths are what, use those strengths instead of looking at negative points. But very, very subtly, you must also work to help that guy to improve upon his area of improvement to make him a complete uh, personality. Yeah. Uh, what, what advice would you give for identifying strengths? in your team members or in your employees? Say again. What how, advice? How, would you, how do you, yeah, what advice? How do you find strengths? How do you see the strengths in the people that you're working with or leading? Uh, see, it's uh, one very important thing which, uh, you know, I always feel that if uh, somebody is uh, academically strong, if somebody is really uh, very, very clear fundamentally. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel that person can be groomed to a level uh, where he's destined to or where you want him. Okay. Because once you are in job, it's not time to, you know, teach you ac academic things and teach you the, uh, the fundamentals and principles of various aspects of your uh, profession. So what yes. I uh, generally observe, what I generally observe that mostly uh, those who are uh, very strong academically, okay, in terms of knowing the principles, knowing the fundamentals, knowing the concepts, uh, they groom, they get groomed or they, they grow much faster than people who have this gap. And that is why, you know, what I do is that if you see my profile uh, till this year, okay, till this year 2021, there is no year where I have not studied. There is no year where I have not studied. And this culture I, I carry forward whichever organization I go. I make the organization a learning organization. I, yeah. when, I, when I join within six months, I scan through uh, the profile of uh, you know various employees. See the potential candidates. Which candidate can grow uh, in, uh, you know, in their profession. I take personal session with them along with their, uh, you know, their supervisor. And mm -hmm. give them a guideline that you must do this qualification. You must pick up this qualification if yeah. you are looking to make this career. And mm. uh, I can give you an example, uh, John. At least yeah. there are eight to nine people uh, across my 21 years of career in corporate who, when I joined the organization, they were 
basically you know peon uh, the person who serves the tea and all that okay yeah they were mm-hmm. that level employee okay mm. but since i found them some potential in them i found them some some light in them i guided them and some of the such employee i even financed their uh, you know education i said you don't have fees take this money but get admission okay and today they are working as a manager i don't so well wow so uh, this is how this is why i go about uh, finding your strength and uh, grow people i um i really like the simplicity of that approach because it's about seeing the people who have uh, potential in them and then giving them a very clear way to actually go and learn get some qualifications so that it's um it's a, it's a pathway for them to know how to move forward um that's yeah i, I really love that uh I, I think it brings us to talk about hr so i'm interested to know for you what what was it that drew you to hr mm. see human resource um, i mean you have to be uh, first uh, a human being a, a person okay a person uh, who treats people equally okay without any kind of discrimination of caste creed or color or whatever yeah and somebody somebody who is god fearing and thirdly somebody who takes or reacts to a situation or or responds to a situation considering him that how would have been if he was on receiving end these three these three uh, you know arms uh, make lot of difference uh, for every hr person if you take care of this part uh, i'm sure you can you can manage people well and what is it about managing people well that's so significant second what is it about managing people well that's so important why is why is that so important to you why because, are you so passionate about see, that right yeah it's a very good question john uh if you see uh, the management philosophy till 1970s it used to be productivity productivity produce produce material produce okay so the whole focus was on productivity right yeah. then time changed because world was growing population was growing so other competitors came in so then quality came in no his item is not not good is this item is good so the yeah. philosophy changed to quality so they said quality 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 right and quality was connected to what customer satisfaction can mm-hmm. you satisfy customer you are leader of the market okay but now in last uh, i would say 20 years from 2000 onwards the philosophy has changed they say if your people are happy they will take care of customer they'll take care of quality they'll take care of your productivity as well okay so the the, the total management philosophy has you know evolved like this over last 30 years 30 40 years so later but later but not late it is the people who ensure whether you are growing a business or you are whether they are market leader or what so if you don't handle people well okay if you don't if you do not have a strong hr person if you don't have a strong hr team 
who really takes care of people, their well-being, their engagement, okay, no organization can survive. Even during COVID, all the organizations who have, who have taken care of their employees, they are doing well, even today. So people are the center of uh, the organization currently. Yes. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so I know you've already articulated this a little bit, but how, uh, once again, you know, for leaders who are listening, who don't have experience in HR, maybe their real strength is um, uh, a skill in their industry, such as, you know, they're, right. a, a, they're a, uh, an academic who's become the head right. of a university, vice chancellor, or they might be a right. sales person with a real strength in accounts. Um, account management and growth who's become the CEO of a large organization or a small business. How, how do we take care of our people? I think a lot of, and let me add, I think a lot of leaders are afraid of uh, losing productivity and quality because they get too soft on their people. How do you take care of your people so that, like you said, they are the center of what you do and produce quality and productivity. See, I think uh, in the current scenario, as I said, that the times of ringmaster uh, style of uh, management is gone. It was till 70s. The leader used to be like ringmaster, do this and person does this. But now times have changed where you have to deal uh, with your, uh, your employees as a human being first. So that human touch in all your actions, in all your, you know, whether you call it instruction, whether you call it directions, or whether you call it, you know, uh, a task uh, given to a person. So I think some somewhere I feel uh, that uh, to be a successful leader, whether you are an engineer, okay, you may be chief engineer, or like you already said, you may be vice chancellor, okay, or you may be a chief doctor, okay, but you cannot be successful unless you are a good HR manager. You have to know people's skill. You have to have people's skill. How to deal with the people. And when you deal with the people, uh, more than what you can teach him in his profession because you are not HR qualified. So you will not be able to teach somebody how to make payroll or how to, how to make performance appraisals. But yes, yeah. two things you can always do to every individual, the human touch, and that is empathy, which is very, yeah. very important. And second thing is, uh, taking care of uh, the well-being of your of your of your employee. Two things: any anybody you you may belong to any 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 domain any trade. The two things these are basically human aspect. You do this, I I, I can assure you that uh, you'll be able to handle people. So tell me about empathy. How do you? How can someone who's not good at empathy naturally, like there might be a leader. I know some leaders who are very smart they struggle with empathy. So for someone who struggles with empathy, how can you get better at being more, um, at, at having more empathy for the people you lead? Yeah. So it's, it's a individual challenge. If somebody is, is, does not have uh, <laughs> is hard, hard, hardcore, you know, leader. There are, there are people who are professionally very good, but uh, they, they don't have, uh, you know, the skills, people skill. And they fail. Mm. So uh, for yeah. that, I think they must, they, because all those who are growing uh, in career, John, they all are the people who who uh, believe in continuous learning. Okay. 
Yes. So what they should do is that uh, along with uh, their continuous learning uh, agenda uh, into their own domain, I think they must also include the people skill as learning uh, objective for their own own career. So once they have uh, this part also growing into their leadership, I'm sure they will be able to make a good leader. So it's a skill like any other that you can learn and that you can grow in. Just repeat again. It's a, you're saying people skills is something that anyone can learn. Any leader can learn people yes. skills. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, I mean, today so much of learning is available. Sorry. What resources? What, what resources? Yeah. What, what, what have you found helpful? What would you recommend? Mm. I think uh, more it goes into uh, transforming your own personality. Okay. See, uh, how, how people grow into their domain because they do a study. Okay, I want to reach this level. Today I'm here. If I have to reach this level, this is my gap. Okay. Yeah. Into my domain. Yeah. So I pick up this much knowledge to reach that level. So they will also have to, so here they've been very fair. They've been fair with them, with, with self that I do not have this. So if I have to reach here, I have to learn this much. So I think somewhere they have to introspect. Okay. Uh, comparing with their, their, their uh, maybe uh, contemporaries. Okay. In terms of people skill and be fair with, with, with self that what I do not have, which person yes. of my level should have. Once you do yes. a fair uh, gap analysis, then I'm sure uh, they are good enough to uh, find various resources which are available today. Uh, online resources, there are courses, there are counseling centers, okay, uh, yes. where you can pick up pick up these skills. They're not yes. worth of resources. Yes. But what, what one has to do is one has to accept it that I am harsh. One has to accept it. I am not good at communicating with people. I am I'm, I'm too strong. One has to accept yes. that Yes, I do my job properly, but I forget what my person going through his personal life. Yeah. So unless you be fair with yourself, by developing this, ultimately you are growing. Okay, mm. so if you be fair with yourself in your assessment to find your gaps, okay, in your people skill, I'm sure they're smart enough to, if they can pick up their uh, domain gaps, they can fill uh, the uh, these gaps as well. Yeah, I think so. I think that self-awareness, being realistic about yes. where you need to grow um, is yes. is really important. Um, I, I loved what you mentioned earlier about the two different types of empathy. Can you talk a bit more about that? You mentioned cognitive empathy and emotional empathy. Right. Tell me, tell me about cognitive empathy. See, cognitive empathy is basically... Uh, through your uh, experience into your domain or or uh, as a leader, it gives you some kind of uh, a skill where you can identify a personal's potential to grow. Okay. Now, that, yeah. that may not be uh, converted into matrices he like what is this on they can't be measured on a scale right yeah but definitely they reach to a conclusion yes this guy can be grown 
now that that's mm-hmm. a skill which comes over a period of time okay yeah. and then you counsel that person that boy you have this potential to grow but to grow this you have to do this okay instead yeah. of he doing a gap analysis you tell him the gap uh, that yeah. you are here yeah. you can go you can go here but you have to go to this road all yeah. right so that's a cognitive uh, empathy where you are trying to identify somebody's potential guiding him through and taking him through emotional mm. empathy is something where you talk about you think about uh, uh, his personal life or personal surroundings mm. that uh, yeah. currently your emotional level is here because of surroundings you have so if you handle these surroundings like this you'll be able to reach this level which is required for your growth okay now in that yeah. not everybody can help himself you you have to become uh, the person who is going to help that person in cognitive gap individual has to work hard somebody is further road he has to work yeah. hard himself but in emotional empathy help is, has to be extended by the person who is uh, you know dealing with hmm yeah i think that's um i think that's really helpful uh what about uh, i know one of the things you're really passionate about is teams so for a leader out there who's leading a team and wants to build a better team a higher performance team higher standards and a healthy team where people care about one another what what do you think are keys to building a team see i would say that uh, well being is very very important aspect that uh, a leader uh, to uh, get the team uh, you know on the task he has to achieve the engagement levels okay unless team is engaged into the into the organization goal the result won't come out now for for that to achieve that engagement unless a well being of a person of the team is not taken care like somebody is worried my wife is hospitalized in the hospital and i'm you know doing this job he won't be able to concentrate right mm. or somebody is uh, going through financial stress and he is expected okay you go and fight war he won't be okay yes so that is why the people skill comes into play here where mm-hmm. through your hr policies or through your uh, people policies you have to have uh, some now talk about on the organization level things you have to do a study that uh what kind of well being needs this particular team or this particular location or this particular plant or this particular branch needs the people who are working there you take care of their well being part their engagement score will definitely go high and you will get the results i have done phd in uh, i have done a doctorate and my subject was uh, measuring wellbeing through employee engagement and in that when i did about uh, study on about 2500 people of 15 different organization yes i was amazed to, i was amazed to see john that uh, there are about 10 or uh, drivers of employee engagement okay yes. but firstly they all are not applicable to all situation second thing you cannot just pick up and apply them okay what i found was every location every unit 
every plant had different drivers okay somewhere somewhere the social connect which they were losing because of the remote location of the plant was a well being aspect somewhere people had problem even about the food which was available in the unit okay because organization thought give them the best food in the world but he doesn't want that he wants his local local food which he enjoys right so i could find this yeah. kind of aspects which are affecting well being of people so uh, otherwise normally what what normally happens is when these promoters of organization they keep traveling here and there so in india i am telling indian scenario generally what uh, how things happen promoter goes on a travel to europe and he goes for four five companies say, oh this is good hr policy this is good hr policy he'll come and tell his hr leader okay boy i got this five good policy you implement this okay now yeah. the hr leader will come sir i will implement this but i wouldn't use this much budget he will say no no i can't give you this much budget you instead of five you do only three so he applies three but actually it doesn't give result because you have not tried to find out what so people need okay so unless you unless you do unless you do a complete survey unless you understand what your people need to reach the well being level they will not yeah. get engaged this is what my this is what my thesis was all about and it was a great learning yeah yeah i think it's um i think it's really interesting um so you you need to find out what your people need so how do you find yes. out what your people need it is definitely through uh, through various surveys through interactions through personal touch okay uh, surveys uh, by the hr managers survey by the supervisors surveys through the personal connect or various uh, you know you can say various forums or various discussions okay you should be, you should try to find out what takes uh, this team or this organization or this unit to well being level yes and and what so you do you recommend a survey of the people who are there is that the best way to find yes. out yeah i feel surveys are very very effective did you ask in your survey the phd you what sort of questions did, were you asking see you have to know there's a range of personal needs okay which uh, every individual has okay one is social connectivity yes. another is financial connectivity the thirdly is uh, emotional uh, satisfaction career satisfaction and uh, career growth so there are number of uh, list of drivers which affect the well being so uh, you yes. form the questions based on those and as per the response from them okay so i give you one example during my yes. research i found there was a guy whose well being level was very high but he was still not engaged oh wow you know why you know you know why you know why because he was yeah, a, why he was not a he was not a ambitious person okay he was happy yeah. that my office is just 10 minutes walk from here and the salary yeah. which i am getting i am okay with this my children are settled abroad they are well educated i don't need any more money okay so he was very happy no worries so he, he used to be busy in his personal interest but not not doing a job that is required by, by the company so even these kind of examples come out and when we do this kind of research and surveys that people may have must have reached 
the well-being level, but still not engaged. So yeah. ultimately, as a leader, ultimately as a leader, what you have to uh, achieve is well-being level, but then see that well-being is converted into engagement level. Okay, which gives, which takes the team to organization goals. Only well-being doesn't serve purpose unless it's converted into engagement level. And so, what was the disconnect for him? Why wasn't well-being turning into engagement for that employee? See, as I said, that here these two level where his office was just ten minutes distance. He can walk to his home. No requirement yeah. of traveling two hours here and there. Okay. His children were already well settled. They all were well educated, well settled, married. Okay, he had yes. no no further social needs. Okay, what he needed was remain engaged, do something nine to five, and reach home. Yes. And he had no ambition that I want to become general manager. I want to become managing director. He said, "I'm okay. Whatever I reached, I'm okay with this." Yeah. So this kind of people, despite having you know high score of well being, they're not engaged. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do if so? If someone has someone like that on their team, how would you lead that person? See, in that case, you have to make a choice uh, whether you would like to uh, retain this kind of people also, or you want everybody to be to to be to be ambitious. Okay. So such people can be given a, a, a role which really does not require too much of you know uh, thinking, planning, or you know uh, yes, too much of skills. Okay, they can be given. There are so many, so many uh, tasks which can be given to this kind of people. Yeah, sure. Yeah, um, you mentioned the ten different factors. Do you remember? I know it's probably been a while since you did your PhD. Uh, do you remember some of them? Are you able to tell me about some of those factors? I know you mentioned a couple in passing. Yeah, yeah as I said, that uh, the first first thing is that what kind of leader I'm I'm working under. What is his vision mm. and what is his mission? That's very very important. Okay. Yes. Second thing is, what is my uh, career growth prospects here? What I'm learning from a leader? What is my compensation here? Okay. Yes. And whether my personal needs are being taken care of or not? Okay. What is my uh, compensation? You know, growth prospects here. Okay. Whether I've got a uh, lateral and vertical learning uh, prospects or not? How is my teammates going to be? What is the work culture in the organization? So there are this kind of factors which are there which affect uh, the, the engagement. I love that you started with what sort of leader are you working for in terms of their vision, uh, their vision and mission? Because I always say to teams that um, you know the leader is the ceiling, the leader is the leader right. sets the bar. That if your leader so, and what I hear you saying is that if that vision and mission is is low, then that can have a significant impact on the well-being of the people in that team. Absolutely, it is the leader who who sets the ball rolling. As I said, that in today's time, leader has to set. Uh, you know, leader has to lead by example. You cannot demand that I'm I'm a managing director. You come and listen to me. No, you have to lead by examples. You have to exhibit that what you want your team to do you are doing before them and uh, so second thing uh, you have to lead, lead from the front basically and what does that look like what does it look like to lead by example and to lead from the front how do you do that 
as i said that if you want your lead, your, your team should be uh, a dedicated team disciplined team professionally competent okay fundamentally strong okay then you have to have that in you as well now times have gone where designations give you command it is what you are uh, every every team man today looks up to your leader that when i'm working with him what is the, what i am learning from him okay what kind of you know personal touch i am getting from him what kind of emotional touch i am getting from him like these yeah. days uh, you must have heard about eq and sq okay pehle uh, earlier it was only emotional quotient but now it's a social quotient also how how the guy has been surrounded by the kind of people how their personal lives have been you know uh, touched upon very very important so now yeah uh, after iq again i go back to the history 70s 80s uh, period 1970s and 80s iq was the thing yeah okay mm-hmm. then eq came in and then the new yeah. thing is social quotient sq that has come in so with the time the uh, human needs are changing human priorities are changing okay yeah. and their expectations from a leader are, are uh, increasing day by day it's, that's why it's becoming very very challenging for a leader to really lead uh, a team very very effectively and unless he has this in him and he exhibit this things don't work that is why i find so many guys studied from top colleges being you know top rankers they fail miserably because somewhere they lack people skill while you yeah. may find yeah. a lot of people who who studied in very average colleges did very average but because they have yeah. very good good people skill they have been successful so this is how it is what did, what is social quotient at uh, social quotient i haven't heard of sq before what what is social quotient social quotient is basically uh, knowing the personal uh, social need in the sense that when is working okay how his team is treating him and what is the role uh, the leader is uh, playing into it and when he is be- being given a task or when is deployed on a, on a, on a uh, kind of assignment whether his uh, situation uh, at home level at uh, office level is being considered or not yes whether he is being he is being given right uh, right amount of encouragement motivation and recognition or not mm-hmm. these are basically yeah. social uh, things which uh, people do expect yeah well that brings us to the end of our um catch up with uh Dr Vipul Saxena i hope you've enjoyed it i know i have there's been some uh there've been some great nuggets thank you vipul for sharing those and um i just want to encourage all our listeners and those who are watching to stay tuned for our future leadership conversations podcast i have some exciting guests lined up and so make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening or watching and uh, so that you can stay in touch and also go to consultclarity.org that's consultclarity.org and all of our seven questions are on there with 1500 leaders if you're interested and passionate about leadership then uh, our passion is to invest in you to become the very best leader you can be so hopefully you can find what you need uh, at uh, on our website and and with us so 
Thank you so much for listening. It's been great to spend time with you. Also, a massive thank you to, uh, to Vipul for spending the time with me. And uh, we'll catch you next time.